0: Thought leaders, storytellers, and griots sharing personal highlights on stories of the week.
1: 32, you're with SFM 104 to 107. And as you know, this is the time where we try and shift the conversation, try and find the stories that are perhaps not top of mind as we go into the end of the week. And there are plenty of stories that are coming up but uh, that are being I suppose one could say hidden by the more important or maybe not more important but certainly by the louder stories that are participating in the news. So You may not know this, but apparently South Africa will miss its binding 2030 carbon emission targets under the Paris Climate Agreement, the Paris Accord. Three senior government officials have confirmed that uh, the country plans to run eight coal-fired power plants for longer than planned. Alex Laferna is the Secretary of the Climate Justice Coalition. He's also a campaigner with 350Africa.org. Alex, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks very much for having me. Uh, Just a correction, no longer a campaigner with 350, but uh, a postdoctoral researcher at Nelson Mandela University. That's a little outdated, but pleasure to be with you.
1: Apologies for that. Sometimes uh, we need to update those kind of things. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk about uh, the fact that we now have confirmation that we would miss the 2030 carbon emission targets, the, the binding carbon emission targets. What does this actually mean? Yeah,
0: so it's quite difficult to tell in a lot of ways because part of what we're faced with is a lack of transparency from the government. Um, they have been supposed to release models and plans for what exactly is going to be going on with our coal plants, when they're going to decommission them, when they're not. And despite you know civil society pushing quite heavily for more information on this front, it's not clear what exactly that looks like. Um, But what we've heard from uh, government officials and ministers, like the Minister of Electricity, is that they want to delay the closure of coal plants. Um, And doing so, of course, means that we'll run coal for longer and will mean that we miss um, South Africa's agreed to emission reduction targets. And it's worth remembering that those targets that South Africa created itself, right? So these are targets we created, are weaker than what's even required for us to meet our fair share of, of climate action globally, so we're missing and we're going to miss weak targets that we should actually be strengthening.
1: You talk about our fair share. I stand to be corrected, but doesn't South Africa have one of the highest carbon emissions on the continent?
0: Yes, um, some of the highest in the world, depending on how you measure it. So we are the biggest uh, polluter on the African continent by a significant um, mile. And we're also, if you look at the amount that we pollute per capita or per unit of GDP that we create, we're actually some of the highest in the world. Yeah. Um, so a very, very polluting, heavy economy. And in absolute terms, we're about 12th in the world in terms of how much we pollute.
1: So we're not the only country that's going to miss this, um, this, this, this target, are we? well it's, it's i mean it I, if, I on how you look. if i understand correctly yeah. the uk have actually shifted their target
0: yeah so under rishi sunak the current uh, prime minister who unfortunately is quite wedded to some of these big polluting industries they're trying to weaken um some of their targets but even there they're going to be polluting less than south africa does on a per capita basis um so you know the, the uk even though it's weakening their targets is still going to be less polluting than south africa will And that's not to say they shouldn't be going much further and faster, but it is to point to the power of, you know, polluting industries to weaken these targets across the world and the importance of social movements to push back against that.
1: Alex, just talk to us about um, why you think this is happening.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the government is using the excuse of load shedding as the reason to delay the decommissioning of the coal power plants but this is despite the fact that the government's own modeling shows that the best way for us to tackle our energy crisis and also the climate crisis is to rapidly roll out renewable energy. Um, if the government had you know done its job and you know properly run a renewable energy program, we wouldn't be in this load shedding mess. I mean studies showed that if they hadn't destroyed basically the, pre- the renewable independent power procurement program process, um, that we could have avoided 95% of load shedding, right? Mm. So now the government's using the load shedding excuse to say, no, we must keep these coal plants alive. Um, But I think that really speaks to the power of the coal lobby to, you know, try and push for coal to stay open longer, even if the evidence suggests that there's better, more affordable solutions that wouldn't also contribute to to climate change.
1: Alex, of course, there is the argument, and it's one that is uh, loud and clear in a country like South Africa, which has massive unemployment is that many of the coal uh, organ not organizations, but the coal, uh, the coal, for Africa, well, I'm, now I'm drawing a blank on the coal plants, the coal, coal fired. Yeah. yeah, the coal fired power plants and coal mining uh, provide massive industry as in massive job procurement. How do we how do we line those two?
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really, really important point because there is significant employment in the coal sector, both in the mining and in the power plants and in you know, offshoot um, industries that come with that. And so what we're seeing in other countries is very dedicated, what they call just transition programs that work to retrain and reskill workers, as well as to create alternative economic uh, opportunities in the places that are quite heavily dependent on coal. Unfortunately, the government has been lagging quite significantly on the delivery of those sorts of programs. But I think we also need to take a step back and think about overall job creation, because when we look at the evidence, you know, our dependence on coal is making our energy more expensive. Um, it's also making it more unreliable, and so the impacts on the economy are massive. Um, and it also has massive health impacts, which are also you know hurting people's ability to actually go to work because they're sick so often. And so if you actually look at the benefits of renewable energy future and the, the possibilities for you know, job creation up and down the supply chain, if we push for industrialization policies, we could create a lot more jobs and have a much more stable economy if we push towards renewables. Um, But that doesn't mean we can forget the co-workers and we do need to push hard for these just transition policies and measures which are being developed in other countries and are going quite slowly here in South Africa.
1: I suppose in closing, Alex, we're going into an election next year. So one would be interested in seeing how... Political parties address the issue of, for example, carbon emission targets, but also climate change and the shifts and changes around that and just transition, as you talk about. I imagine that that's something you'd really like to see come out of uh, the many uh, different political parties that will be part of the process next year.
0: Definitely. And that's something we at the Climate Justice Coalition are going to be monitoring very closely In the previous elections, we know we did election manifesto analysis to see how the different parties were were looking at this issue. And unfortunately, most of the main parties aren't grappling with it um, at the sort of scale and urgency that's required, given how dire the emergency is, according to what scientists are telling us. But I think what's important is that, you know, climate change, of course, is an emergency that requires, you know, Mm. major action. But it's also an opportunity, you know, renewable energy industries in other countries are treated as the engine of economic creation. In fact, there's a little bit of what would be like an arms race between the major economies to be at the forefront of leading these clean energy industries, which are the industries of the 21st century. And so, you know, a smart party that's thinking both economically and environmentally would be positioning themselves. To, to build out the industries of the future and create you know massive job creation opportunities across the country. So that's kind of what we're going to be pushing for as a coalition.
1: Okay, we need to go to a break. We do have a question for you from one of our listeners. So let's uh, come back and we'll ask you that.
0: The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle
1: Constant. 20 eight, we're chatting to Alex Linferner, who's Secretary of the Climate Justice Coalition. The news, as part of our Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griot's feature, is that South Africa will miss its binding 2030 carbon emission targets under the Paris Climate Accord. So, what is that all about and what does that mean? We've got a voice note for you, Alex. Let's uh, go with it.
0: Good morning, good morning, Sister Michelle, Fred the Tracker. Uh, Sister Michelle, can your guest just give one or two examples of the countries that are running on renewable energy and it's running efficient because right now if you come to Richards Bay, you will see queues and queues of trucks that are delivering coal and the coal is going to Europe. So who's going to be the polluter here? <laughs> Us who are supplying them with coal or them who are using
2: the coal? <laughs>
1: That's a good question, Freddie. You're always on the point. Alexa, who is who is using coal and uh, going against the, the Accord?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, I'd say, misinformation out about how much South Africa uses in terms of coal versus the rest of the world. I think we really need to be honest with ourselves. South Africa is the most coal-dependent economy of all G20 economies in terms of just how much coal we burn to produce electricity. And so we can't be pointing fingers at other people saying they're using so much coal because we are the worst, right? Um, So, I mean, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be pressuring Europe to move further and faster. And in fact, under the Europe's um, repower program, they accelerated their transition to renewable energy in response to the Russia-Ukraine crisis because they see renewables as being key to you know, energy independence and not being reliant on energy imports from other countries. Now, for a brief moment, they did um, ramp up coal power because they couldn't rely on gas from you know, the likes of Russia. But the long term and medium term plan for them was to rapidly accelerate the transition to renewable energy. So I think there's quite a bit of misinformation about what's going on in Europe. And this is not to say that Europe shouldn't move further and faster. Countries like America, like Europe, have historically contributed disproportionately to the climate crisis. You know, they've been some of the biggest polluters. And so a big part of what climate justice for us requires is that we ask those countries to pay their climate debt so that, you know, poor countries can make the transition faster and so that poor countries can also adapt to the impacts of climate change that are caused predominantly, you know, by rich Western countries and increasingly, you know, countries like China as well. But South Africa really is heavily coal dependent, so we need to be moving further and faster.
1: Okay, we've got a question from someone saying yes, but um, if we talk about just transition, it's expensive. So that's one question and another voice note coming through. Let's go for that.
2: Hi, Michelle. If we weren't getting crucified by another country that is controlling our, our fuel prices, we'd be all right. Because some of the some of the food products within within half a year have doubled in price and be, all because of the transport costs. While we can't afford the transport, the groceries, price of groceries and, and, and goods go up and up and up and up. We, we got we to gotta somehow get past uh, having to pay dollars. Why can't we deal with our own countries that, 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 that already supply crude oil? Why, why are we bound to this dollar thing? because it's killing us if we could if we could get the fuel prices sorted out because sort a lot of problems out then we can start looking at the corruption and the crime and everything else because as it is because everybody's so poor they have to they have to steal to to stay alive now because that's how bad things are getting this is Uncle B from Alpha Beach
1: so I think there are two questions. Then we don't have to go to both of them, mm-hmm. but the one is around um, how we are tied to the dollar. But the more cri- the critical one is how we are tied to the fuel prices globally, okay, which yeah. are rising and and shifting constantly. So there's that question, looking at fuel and the impact on just transition, and secondly, looking at the expense of changing and shifting to um a non-coal uh, a coal not non-coal fired uh, environment
0: yeah yeah these are really important questions and i think particularly when it, we think about inflation if we look historically and we do an economic analysis of when inflation typically occurs it's when there is a spike in oil and gas prices right and so yeah. you know following the russia ukraine war oil and gas prices spiked partly because oil and gas corporations were engaged in war profiteering and price gouging and so they've been making you know billions and billions and billions of dollars off these increased um, oil prices Um, and that of course then spills out across the economy depending because of how we rely on oil and gas and so for many what we see there is an opportunity to become less dependent on these quite you know rapacious profiteering oil and gas corporations by a shift to clean energy, by a shift to electrification of transport, because that means we're no longer dependent on these dollar-denominated oil and gas imports, which um, you know are, are very much driven by corporations who have profit as their bottom line. Now, the idea that we could produce our own oil and gas and that would affect that, unfortunately, is a little bit of a Mistaken idea because oil and gas is traded on international markets. And so we would still be dependent on those, you know, international markets Even if we did oil and gas at home and you know, the the more affordable and also the cleaner way to grapple with this in the long run Is to shift to electrification of transport and to clean energy and this is why countries like China are investing so heavily in renewables partly because it's an energy security concern making them less dependent on these expensive and volatile imports, which speaks also to the question of cost that was raised about the cost of a just transition. And if you look at the government's own modeling, and this is where, you know, we have ministers like Mantashe who often spread misinformation and even misrepresent their own government's modeling. They show very clearly that a clean energy future is much more affordable, that the energy costs would go would be less compared to coal fired power because the the technologies have just advanced so much solar and wind and storage are now the cheapest way to produce energy and they're also the most job creating and so the cost of not transitioning is the one that's more expensive and more polluting and so you know it's not just the climate crisis that's motivating us to shift it's the economic argument as well
1: Alex, we're going to have to leave it there. We need to go to a break. Alex Linferno is the Secretary of the Climate Justice Coalition. Uh, Certainly lots of questions uh, that are linked to that particular conversation. Have you uh, transitioned to uh, power and uh, solar energy in your home? I mean, that alone is a very costly process. So how do we do it and how do we take it forward?